to the Wild Feather Podcast. I'm Brooke Dunwell, serial entrepreneur, sponge for life, and lover of people. Join me as we uncover the stories of courageous female entrepreneurs, founders, and investors pushing beyond limitless boundaries. Let's explore their creative journeys and pursuits to greatness. Holly Eve is incredible. She and her company, Madame Lemmy, are thriving, but it hasn't been an easy road. She's faced severe depression, a near-death accident, and so much more. But she is using her voice to impact others. She's mastered the art of networking and attributes that to her success. She's resilient, determined, and an absolute joy. Thanks for joining us, Holly. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. And um, listeners, she has a fantastic story. She is very impactful story. And so I can't wait to um, can't wait for you to share. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks Brooke, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Uh, so I'm just going to jump right in and because um, I feel like we have a lot of ground to cover. So tell us how you became a founder and what made you become a founder and how did you get there? Yeah, I was working as a celebrity and TV makeup artist for a long time. Which is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was doing that between Los Angeles and New York. And when I first moved to LA, one of my first friends that I had met actually on a breast cancer awareness photo shoot doing her makeup, she became a very close friend of mine. And I had discovered she was diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer at the age of 30. And so becoming close with her and learning so much from her, she would really educate me about food and products and what to switch to. And she kept telling me to switch to natural deodorant and, um, seeing such a young person diagnosed at such a young age with breast cancer. I listened to her and I searched for years for a natural deodorant and either it didn't work or I would smell worse. Uh, I would get a rash. And so I had a rash from one, the last one that I had tried and I continued to use it because it was the only product that worked, um, aside from the rash, I didn't smell and I really wasn't sweating with it. And so I kept using it and someone saw it and pointed out, like, maybe you should stop using that. And when the rash goes away, you should try lemons. And I thought I have nothing to lose. So I waited, the rash went away. I tried lemons. I was living in New York. So I went down to whole foods at Columbus circle bought a bunch of lemons. I cut them up and I was astonished that it really it like somehow worked. I wasn't sweating and there was no odor and I was just, my mind was blown. So I had done that for a while. And then it was probably even just like a few months in, I was like, I have to figure out how I can carry this. So I'm not cutting up lemons. I had a roommate. So it was just like too much cutting up like lemons. It was a guy and I was like putting them in a container in the fridge. It was really gross. So, uh, it was like, there has to be a better way to travel. Like, uh. that's what I was thinking. So yeah, I was actually on a shoot doing makeup and I was looking for lemons. It was some random city. I think it was like a Budweiser commercial and I was looking for lemons and I couldn't find them. And I thought there has to be a better way. And so I figured out how to turn lemons into powder in my small kitchen in New York. 
I remember. So you you figured that out on your own. Did you dehydrate him and then like, yeah, or something? I did. So (laughs) I I had my whole system that I was like protecting, not knowing at the time you can just buy lemon powder. But (laughs) I'm so glad I didn't know that because I went through this uh, process and learned how to do it. And um, I had remembered that one of my neighbors I'd met one time is an Oxford trained chemist and knocked on his door for his help because I figured out all the ingredients, DIY, all the powder ingredients, but I couldn't figure out the essential oils mm-hmm. and knocked on his door and he helped me create all the scents and he's still a good friend of mine today. And then a former family friend is the uh, former, uh, a family friend is the former um VP of R&D of Elizabeth Arden. And so I reached out to him and he walked me through the process of starting a beauty brand, all the legality, all the steps. And then I merged the idea of high-end, luxurious, sustainable packaging with naturally sourced ingredient ingredients. And I hadn't really seen that at the time. It was like crunchy mother earth type packaging. So I wanted to do, mm-hmm. wanted to really elevate it and mark up the price and see what I could do with like a high-end deodorant line. Yeah. Well, you're fortunate and maybe it's the universe all working together for you, but I think that that's fantastic that you had those people at your fingertips to help you. That's a blessing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that regardless of who we are, where we are, what we put out, I always talk about this, what we put out, we manifest back and those resources are abundant and around us. They are. They are. For sure. So you started this and what, when did you start? What year did you come up with your first like product or have you revamped the the recipe or the product? No, it stayed. That's awesome. It stayed the same. It's actually my lack of chemistry, which is what's amazing to me even is that I don't have Prior to doing this, I did not have a business background or a chemistry background. It was actually my lack of knowledge in chemistry. When I was working with my neighbor, who's a chemist, I was weighing everything in tablespoons. And so not knowing that the weight and density of different ingredients um, are different. So what might be the weight of um, Himalayan salt, a tablespoon of that, the weight of arrowroot, it's the density is different, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. was just kind of guessing like, oh, I'll do a few tablespoons of that and a couple tablespoons of this. And I was writing down the tablespoons I was doing. And my friend, Jeremy, who's a chemist, he was trying to like get it in my head. Like, this is not how, this is not chemistry. This is, you don't weigh by <laughs> tablespoons. <laughs> so my guess of what I thought I was weighing by tablespoons is how I accidentally figured this out. And it just happened to be the exact ratio that was dermatology tested that um, as a non-irritant, it really works for people. I couldn't find anything that worked. This was the only thing that worked for me. And I was testing it. I was living um, by the Hudson River. So I would test different formulas I was making, or different ingredients and putting one on one arm and running along the Hudson to see what was working before I let other people test it. So it was um, a complete accident. Yeah, that's I mean, that's really cool, especially that it works because I'm, I can talk for myself or speak for myself. I tried to, my first attempt at going the natural route 
was I made my own, but it was not, I didn't, it was, it was very simple. It was like baking soda and some, I don't know, whatever's on the, but then I went to go work out and I was working out with my trainer and my trainers, I had been telling him about this. He's like, Brooke, I think you might want to try again. I was like, it didn't work, right? He's like, I was like, yeah. So anyway. That's um, so funny that he called you out on that. But we're like really good friends, right? He's like, yeah. It's it's good though that you tried that and that more people are trying that. That's what I did. I was on Pinterest and Google and the the answers are out there. But it, it does take time when you're making it yourself how you were trying it, you have to kind of keep testing it and different ingredients to see what works. Are you, right. did you find a natural deodorant that you're well, then using? I tried, then I tried one, um, another one and it felt like I was putting sandpaper on my, on my armpits and I'm like, I can't do this. I don't think it was, I don't think it worked really well either, but so I tried that and now I use, it's supposed to be natural, but I want to try I got to get some of Madame Lemay. Oh, yeah. I'll send I you try some. it. Yeah, I want to try it. Uh, I always tell... Oh, go ahead. No, you go right ahead. I was just going to say, I always tell people whether it's my product or another product, the most important thing is for people to use something natural. There are so many options out there now. Yeah, I feel like there are more and more popping up at stores, at least. Um, I haven't checked their ingredients, but they um, advertise as natural, right? So, um, yeah, I was like, when I did it, I made it in a jar. So I was like digging it out and, you know, like it was, (laughs) it was, it was kind of messy. Yeah. That's, (laughs) I had one that was that application method. The one that gave me the rash, which I was like promoting this product to everyone, even though it was giving me a rash. I was like, it works so well. You might get a rash, but you won't smell. And I was like digging it out and like putting it on. It was falling on the floor. And so when I was using lemon, I was like, I'm going to turn this into a product. I wanted to do something that wasn't a stick or a roll on, but with powder, if you get a powder deodorant, you kind of shake it in your hand, it's still messy. And my grandmother's had these really decadent boxes and they would put on powders with fluffy puffs, these like big poofs. Yeah. So I thought, let's just bring that back. And it's really just an elegant, elevated way to put on your deodorant every day. Well, I think that's, you might as well make yourself feel special every moment you can, right? Like taking a small little, it's not a chore, but a small little application and it probably makes you feel good. Like, you know, there's got to be some psychology benefits in having, using delightful boxes and packaging, you know, to apply daily stuff. I don't know. makes you feel better. I really think so. Yeah. 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 So um, what year, I think I asked this oh, yeah. ago and we got sidetracked. When did you launch or when did you launch your first product? I had the idea that the idea to start my company was May 30th, 2016. And I haven't stopped since. So I figured out, took a few months to figure out the formula. And then it took about a year and a half working on the formula. And at the time I was making it myself and then sourcing the packaging. So once I put everything together, I launched the product uh, January 14th, 2018 at the Malibu Farmers Market to test the pricing and to see how people would respond. And it did really well. And then right after I launched the e-commerce site. 
That's awesome. And when did you break off from your um, other job to, were you working this whole time that you were going through the R&D of the product? I was, and I'll put in some of my personal story yeah. because yeah. it all, all connects. Like that's what makes this journey so amazing. So, um, but I don't know, I can't remember like the details of when that all started, like when, when it started going down south. that road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say south because there's amazing stuff that came out of it, but it's gone so back you, up. I don't know if you ever say like it's gone north. I've never heard that expression, but now it's back north. Um, we'll make that a thing. Uh, yeah. Before so was, you got to prove how strong you are. How's yeah. That? A lot of uh, opportunities to do that. I had been working as a makeup artist in New York, figuring this out. I was engaged. Um, getting ready to get married in October. So I figured it out. I wanted to do it in May. In October 2016, I got married. Um, and I continued working as a makeup artist, but was trying to spend more time working on my company. And then I launched my company um, 2018. And then three months after that, what felt like out of the blue. My then husband over a phone call told me he wanted a divorce. Uh, he was 3000 miles away. And I really spiraled into a depression and. Cause you didn't I, see it coming at all. Right. I didn't. And it was a really short lived marriage. And looking back at it now, I'm remarried now and I'm happily remarried with an amazing man and a very healthy relationship. And I will just call it what it is. That marriage that I was in previously was not healthy. It's very toxic. Mm -hmm. And I think as an outsider, sometimes people can see I, right, of course, yeah. after I got out of it, I just realized like uh, everyone saw it, but me. And, um, I, I didn't see it coming when I was in it, but now being out of it, it's like, how did I ever think that that would work? Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful that it didn't work out, but at the time being in it and starting this company and being in a marriage with someone who was the breadwinner and making the mistake at the time of like, okay, I can lean on this person. We're in a marriage. And I've learned now never to do that again, to always rely on myself. So I didn't see it coming. And so when that did end, I was so scared because I had slowly stopped doing makeup and you lose connections and, um, it's harder to get back into it right away. And, and on top of that, I was like severely depressed. So I moved into a really small apartment with my dog who we had rescued. I found her. She was hit by a car and had a, she had a broken hip and a broken pelvis. And we paid for the surgery for her and kept her. And she really became um, so cliche, but like really she rescued me. And so I kept her. We lived in this small apartment and I was Where still were you living at the time. It, this was in Pasadena. So okay. I was living with my ex in LA and then I found this. 300 square foot apartment in Pasadena. And they say that the reflection you of kidding your, when you said tiny, Oh my gosh, it was facing a wall. There was no natural light coming in. It was like a dungeon, but my like depressed mind was like this, this place is perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> 
And my dog was, it's, she was miserable in there too. She thought the door was like Shawshank Redemption. She was trying to chew through it to get out. (laughs) She's so happy now we're in Santa Monica. But so I was living in that apartment and I was still like looking for makeup jobs. And I started signing up on uh, like apps and there's no shame in doing that whatsoever. But at the time it was really humbling for me because I had come off working on these really big TV shows and with celebrities and I just needed money. So I was doing that. I was looking on Craigslist again for work. I was trying to run my company and trying to deal with this really severe depression that I had. Yeah. Well, the fact that you were even putting forth effort, I give you a lot of kudos because if you're in severe depression, Getting any activity or doing anything, I think, takes an, a lot of strength. Yeah, it's really... It's, it's debilitating. People, it's so debilitating. And for people that don't understand depression, it's just, it's, it's um, an invisible disability. Yeah, right. So now, did you find work or how did you... Cause I don't want to give everything away. So you slowly were coming out of depression or no, did the next thing happen, like lead us down that road? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I think I just have to like get into it because there's for a while in this story, it's not very pretty, but then it gets much better. Um, I was finding work and I was still dealing with the depression. I had a therapist. I was in an outpatient um, facility working on my depression. So for people that have severe depression, when going once or twice a week to therapist isn't enough, I was going to Los Encinas, the facility that celebrity rehab was filmed at in Pasadena. And I, that's great. Really spiraled and, um, just didn't want to be alive anymore and attempted to take my life several times. And, um, the, one of the last things that I had done, which I'm now really open about, I speak at USC a lot, and I just think it's important to share these stories. I was on the 210 freeway praying and deliberately trying to get hit by a truck with my seatbelt off. And that really propelled me into getting the extreme help that I needed beyond just going to an outpatient. So I checked into an inpatient psychiatric ward, um, which, you know, saved my life and continued doing the work after that. And uh, several things just, I didn't pull out of that depression that took, it took a long time, but it just day by day, incrementally things were getting better. And so I was walking my dog every day. I was still taking jobs. I was going through my closet and I was (laughs) selling whatever I could on, um, like Poshmark. I was just finding every way and any way that I could make money to sustain living and uh, to continue running my company. And then on April 11th, 2019, so it had been about a year, I found out from Urban Outfitters that they wanted to carry my product. And they had discovered my product, which it's usually the other way around. You contact yeah. a bunch of buyers for everyone to turn you down. And so I was just really ecstatic about that and, and thought, okay, my life is going in an upward direction. It's getting better. And 
two weeks after that, I was getting ready to walk my dog at the Rose Bowl. My therapist had me walking every day to work on my depression. And I was, I opened the car door. I was about to get in to go on our walk. And I realized that I had forgot the adapter for my headphones that they have now for the iPhones. And my first thought was, you don't need music. And then my second thought was, I want to listen to music. It was just that quick. And I saw when I left the garage, I saw the crosswalk light was on and started to cross. And my dog, who had been hit by a car who has PTSD whenever we see specifically van, so maybe she was hit by a van, she tugged at me. I looked at to the right, not knowing I was going to get hit is what saved my life. So um, I didn't know, but a distracted driver in a delivery van hit me and I dragged my dog and woke up on the asphalt thinking I was paralyzed. And the craziest part to that is that months before that, I was praying for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And then it actually happened when I was not trying for that to happen. And uh, um, so grateful that it did because it really put life into perspective and not not that anyone's journey with suicide is not worth listening to because every story is worth listening to. And I talk about this hoping people that are feeling that low, that they know that, you know, that joy is just around the corner and things do get better and they do start to look up. And I do think for my story, maybe what makes it more impactful that I have this platform is that I was praying for that to happen and then it happened. And I am on the other side of it now and I'm living this really great life and I can share that with people. It's just really bizarre what we can manifest. And I was in the hospital almost a month. I had to learn how to walk again. My dog had to have surgery. I had a brain injury. I was still running my company from the hospital bed, determined not to lose the Urban Outfitters account. Yeah. Luckily, they were super understanding. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, how, well, okay. So this happened and you go into the hospital and like you, like, did they break all your legs and uh, your leg, your, like everything? Like my hip, my tailbone and my pelvis had broken bones. And so, uh, and then luckily because I didn't know, it's just that I, which is amazing. Our bodies fight or flight. I naturally put my arms above my head. And so my arms hit the asphalt and not my head. It's what I was told saved my life. And, but with that kind of impact, that kind of jolt, that's what caused the brain injury. And so within days, um, there was brain swelling. I lost my short-term memory. Uh, it was really awful. It was really, really hard time. And so to answer your question about the working, so I had been working, but then when that happened, I was just physically unable to do what I was able to do for so many years working and walking as a makeup artist. So I had to really pivot and I had so much help within my company of people stepping up and helping me. And I just really then made it Uh, I was just determined then to grow my company. And I said to myself in the hospital, I have to start writing about this. I have to get this out there. And I wrote about my story and submitted it to probably 20 business publications. And Forbes was like at the top of the list. I just wanted my story out there and no one got back to me. And I kept following up with Forbes. And finally, uh, the editor of Forbes Women got back to me and she said, we don't 
publish one-off pieces, would you be interested in being a contributor? And so I was then hired to write about entrepreneurship and wellness, mental health. And now I, I've continued over a year and a half. I've been contributing for Forbes and now founder. And I've just been writing a lot of personal essays and public speaking and using my story and experiences to help other people in entrepreneurship and navigating mental health. Yeah. Which I think um, people that haven't gone into entrepreneurship, I think those two go hand in hand. And uh, I don't think people outside of entrepreneurship understand the impact that the business has on the mental health. I mean, without all of, without getting hit by cars and being in the hospital, you know, just in general, uh, because I guess I can speak, I mean, from my own perspective and experiences, I think it's a tough road. Like, you you know, mental health, you can really beat yourself up when you're in entrepreneurship. Right. So, uh, and I think a lot of people probably get depressed at some point when they're running a, running a company, but outside of all the other components that you had going on, you know, that, I mean, there's a lot because you still have your personal life to deal with on top of the rocky road of business. Right. So, and when it all feels like it's imploding, (laughs) I think that's when you may start to go downhill a little bit. Right. It, yeah, it's really isolating having a company, whether you are hit by a car or not. I hope most people go their life not having to go through that. But it's isolating. It's lonely. It's draining. And it's yeah. such a high. I think it's why people continue to do it. Yeah, exactly. What would you say some of the most important things that you did to heal? What were those? And do you have any things that you continue to do to keep yourself um, in a good place. I had someone before my accident had happened and I was in that really dark place. A friend of mine who's actually a therapist. So she's a great person to talk to. She said, what's one thing every day you could do that brings you small amount of joy. And so she walked me through what is that? What does that look like for you? And at the time, all I could think of was tea. I like making tea. And she said, okay, so you need to buy yourself a really pretty um, teacup and then make that a ritual for yourself. And then I said, and I like taking bubble baths. And so even though I just didn't feel like it, and I'll say that my accident, that experience was really horrific, but it was also really a spiritual awakening for me. It was Mm -hmm. a horrible experience, but like a really great experience in this very bizarre way that really, I just, even though I was in so much physical pain, I felt like I was high because when you almost die and you survive that you're just on some different level and, Mm -hmm. um, it lasts a certain amount of time, but going through my divorce and having that kind of depression, it's not as linear it just feels so out of place. And you, I felt so, I felt like everything was taken from me. And so that it was more challenging to heal from my divorce than my accident. And I kept those rituals of like making the tea and taking a bubble bath and 
what led to my accident going for that walk. That's what my therapist had me doing at the time, just walking every day. And she said, get in the sun, get vitamin D. And it really helped me. So there, I had these brief moments of, I want to say like relief, because I don't know if you've ever experienced severe depression, but when you're in that state, you just don't want to do anything. Getting out of mm-hmm. bed, it's, it's like we said, debilitating. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of that metaphor of like one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And just with time, I continued to do those really small actions. And I continued working on my company and mm-hmm. spending time with my dog and all of those things helped me. And then when I was in a really good place mentally again, and when I wasn't in a wheelchair, in a wheelchair or on crutches or with a walker, um, actually, I think I went on one day. I did go on one day on crutches, and I don't know what I was thinking. It was my first day back. I was on Bumble. Bad decision. Um, really weird. <laughs> really weird date. So maybe I wasn't ready then. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, good for you for putting yourself out there. That's awesome. With my crutches. But with time, uh, I like went off of Bumble. And then with time, like when I really knew like, okay, I'm in a good place and just spiritually, physically, literally physically not on crutches. Um, mentally, I started dating again and was blessed to meet my like now husband. And it's just really extraordinary. And in no way does he complete me. Now I've really learned what a healthy relationship looks like. Just with time, my life got so much better. My company grew. It was featured on the Today Show. It grew just exponentially. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all the little steps of finding joy in those small things. Do you think that some of the lessons that you've learned, like the, when you were talking about taking the bubble bath and making the tea and doing those little things daily. Have you been able to apply the same thought process in building your business? Or do you think that has any ties to it? Like, um, you, do you see what I mean? Like maybe an underlining thought process, subconscious thought process of just doing being consistent and doing a few things consistently, or do you think that has anything to do with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what's going on in our personal lives, I just wrote an article about, and the beginning sentence was something along the lines of we're told to keep our personal life and our business life separate. But to me, I feel like everything intertwines and we pull from both of those things and probably on a subconscious level. And then also a conscious level, I pull from that and having a product that, you know, you think of the deodorant, you tuck it away in a medicine cabinet. And I wanted something that's left out on a vanity. That's part of like a daily ritual. And so I really incorporate ritual into Mm -hmm. the company and into the branding and the advertising and sharing with women to pamper themselves. We have a tagline is redefining personal care. And Mm -hmm kind of silly. It's like a deodorant, it's a body care product, but I really use it to talk about these deeper things of mental health and wellness. And it has prompted, as we were chatting before we started, the the gift sets that I have, we're doing these custom gift sleeves. So there's a birthday one, a bridal one, 
um, there's a happy birthday, congratulations, and thank you. And they're all gold stamped and really pretty with the artwork. And they're all in French. And I had made a joke to somebody to on a team meeting that we should make a divorce leave. And it was really a joke. And then I thought this should be a product because when I had gone through my divorce, I realized that people, friends and family want to help, but they don't always know what to say or do. And sometimes they say the absolutely worst thing <laughs> that does not help at all. Someone told me they felt like they were at a funeral. Uh, oh, goodness. It felt like a funeral for me. So I thought this would be a great idea. And it's, um, people are picking it up for press already. We're launching it soon and it's really cute. There's lingerie and lipstick and high heels, signed divorce papers, <laughs> split. That's uh, so cake. cute. They're really so cute. cute. There's so a cake split in half. What would you say contributes to like the success that you've had, because that's awesome. And getting featured on today's show and getting the press and what are the, what do you contribute your success to? If I had to sum it up in a couple things, I would say building relationships and marketing. I've built relationships over the years. I've sustained those relationships. I've learned from relationships that I could have been better at. And not that you ever have relationships to get something from someone or vice versa. It should always be um, a mutual relationship, a loving and a kind relationship. And I've found that fostering relationships has really helped me because people have done favors for me or pitched my product to certain people to get it out there. And then marketing, if you have, if you know how to do it, or if you have a team or a company or person who knows how to market, that's really the, what I found the growth of what happened with my company is I kind of pulled back from retailers, especially what was happening with COVID. And I saw this explosion of online shopping and Mm -hmm. put all of our attention and our marketing dollars there Mm-hmm. put a small amount and then that was working and then just incrementally increased that. And we just saw just this huge explosion in sales. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and it's when you're doing marketing, it's having the right branding. And, and I think too, I'm not just selling something to make money. I'm selling a healthy product for women that's safe, that's in sustainable packaging. I'm really offering, um, I'm offering something to people. I'm not just taking people's money. So I think that when you create a product, you really have to give substance and value to people. Mm -hmm. Have you found, because, well, let me back up before I ask the question. One of the common themes that I'm hearing from my podcast guests who have products, a lot of them are skincare, like um, cleansers or one's shoes, like a variety of people. There could be shampoo, you know, whatever. Everybody has a different product. One of their biggest challenges is the marketing component and finding what outlet yields the best results. And I've, the past couple of weeks, they've just all talked to me about, you know, Facebook ads versus um, other ads versus other outlets. Is there one that you've had success? Because they haven't had the best success with 
um, Facebook. Um, I, I don't do ads. Like I don't have any experience with it. So I'm just literally listening and like asking questions because it's interesting to learn. Have you found any areas that are more fruitful than others or is it just the way you run the marketing components or what do you think? I, I think it's the way that it, if you run it's it random. right, that right. It's, fa- it's Facebook and Instagram and you have to really know your audience, your demographic, the geographic, where do those people live? <laughs> I would not be able to have this conversation a few years ago. I've learned a lot from the person who runs my marketing and then we do mm-hmm. A-B testing. We're doing one right now. We have one ad that between Facebook and Instagram over six months, it's had, I think, 1.6 million views and that one ad that is super simple that costs us very little to produce. We took pictures of models and customers. We matched it up with reviews. We put music to it and that's it. It was super simple and it's generated. It's what it's the reason my company grew so much from this one ad. And it was Facebook has an algorithm of learning your customers and who's buying and then then as you incrementally put more spend ad spend in, it starts to mimic those audiences and it targets a bigger audience. I did not know any of this prior. And so right. that one ad has kind of hit a plateau. We might use it again so you can put a pause. And so right now we're doing an A-B testing of different ads. So I guess it's a few things. It's the, the product. Great. Go ahead. It's the oh, product. Yeah. It's the the product and it's the, it's knowing how to target it. So I think that if you have a good product and I mean, if you just have a product, people advertise things that are sometimes ridiculous, but they sell. If you know how to target it to consumers. Messaging sounds like it's important. Yeah. I mean, as always, but that's great that you're having success on Facebook and Instagram. So uh, I'm glad that it's working. I think they a couple of them were having a hard time tracking um, tracking the number or something. I don't know. Something about the algorithm had changed and Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know all that algorithm stuff, but that's great. So they were just looking for other e commerce places, I think, trying to think outside of the box. But have you tried have you done anything on Pinterest? I was just going to say, as you were saying that Pinterest is really great. I've also heard, which it hasn't worked for us. I want to revisit it, but I've heard people have had success with YouTube, YouTube ads. Uh, okay. Uh, people yeah. are now TikTok. You can, there's now a shop option on TikTok. So they're just mm-hmm. now adding advertisement every day I'm learning. And I always joke with the person who runs my marketing. Like I feel like I master or feel like I've like accomplished one thing and then something else comes up, but oh, yeah. To those companies and other companies, I think the least expensive, almost free to do, aside from paying for if it's MailChimp or Klaviyo, email marketing, it's essentially free. And if you build up that database of emails and you send out um, value offered emails or just information or blogs, every time we send out an email, we bring in tons of sales. So I always suggest that to companies as well, especially if you're on a budget, because you do have to have some type of budget to do marketing. Yeah. Are you gathering your email addresses from the Facebook and Instagram? Through our website. So when somebody visits the website, Website. we gather them there. That's great. 
That is so fantastic. I'm so excited for you. So what's next for you? Are you building out new products? I mean, I will remind everyone probably at the end here that she is, um, they are offering gift sets for the holidays. And so uh, there will be some fun things. There are some fun things. She just launched them this week. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But are there any new products you're coming out with or are you expanding your product line or what do you think the future of Madame Lemmy is? And definitely, yeah, working on other products. I'm working on a baking soda free product. A lot of people have asked for that. So we're working on that. And then this line in particular, Madam Lemmy, I'm doing all powder products. I realize there are no other companies doing high end packaged only powder products. And there's a lot you can do with powder. And I have a bath salt that I'm working on and a lot of different products that will launch. And then eventually, once I grow this company to a certain point, I'm working on a baby line of products. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's super cute. Oh my gosh. I love it. That's awesome. So what advice would you give to others that are starting or that may be in an earlier stage than you are? I always tell people to follow the idea you can't stop thinking about and don't follow an idea that you think will bring you money because even if it will, even if there's something you're working on that you think I can make a lot of money from this, but you're not in it, it, you Mm -hmm. won't be able to sustain it because I've gotten pretty far pretty quickly with my company and maybe two nights ago, maybe it was even last night, I had a breakdown and was in tears about something because there's always something that comes up running a company and, uh, (laughs) yeah. Someone rapper once said more money, more problems. It's so true. So you have to have the passion behind what you're doing. And, and when things seem challenging and you feel like you can't figure it out, ask for help. I asked for so much help along the way. I knocked on the door of my neighbor who was a chemist and he still helps me today. He's still a good friend of mine. So I think knowing who to share your idea with and asking the right resources for help and sticking to something that you're really passionate about, because there's that saying that if you can solve a problem for yourself, you can solve a problem for millions of people and Mm -hmm. keeping that end consumer in mind. Why are you doing this? Who do you want to help? And who will this impact once it's uh, ready to sell and available? Mm -hmm. I think that's fantastic advice. What keeps you motivated? I would say it's that end consumer when I, I don't ever actually want to quit. I think every entrepreneur, regardless of where they're at, they just have days of that. You just, the other day I said, I want to quit. Why am I doing this? And I know I'm not going to, it's just venting and getting it out. And then I bring myself back to the customer. And when I'm going through those moments, I read the reviews of my company. Most are very good. Some are not, but even so I learn from negative reviews, but it's overwhelmingly positive. And that really keeps me going because I know that this is making a difference in people's lives. I know that it's the end of the day, it's a deodorant product, but at the same time, my friend who had breast cancer, she tragically passed away. And it's another big motivation behind my company because I use it as a platform to educate people to switch to safer products 
I Mm -hmm. have this platform to talk about mental health. And I often think if I didn't have this company and selling body care products, what platform would I have? And so it's far beyond selling something for me. It's being able to connect with people. Yeah. Well, it's also great that you have a story. I think everyone wants to hear a story that they can connect with and your products connect with your journey, even from your friend getting the reason why you started it. Where are some, are there, uh, events that you speak at or where do you, what are your speaking engagements? If someone wants to check you out, like, or hear one of your. I'm currently speaking often at USC, which that's more of a private, the um, college, the university asked me to speak there. And then I've spoken at um, women's summits. I'm speaking, there's a Los Angeles business women's event coming up on, I think it's Tuesday. So this will be past then, but I'm speaking soon there. And then I have a website I just launched where people can book me to speak. So on entrepreneurship and mental health. That's great. Yeah. And then podcasts that I've done. um, And I'm adding more of those links to my website. So that's probably the easiest way to find. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's a book coming. Do you have, uh, do you have that in the works? Cause I feel like I, uh, should be promoting a book. I, it's funny you say that I've been working on a memoir, um, (laughs) since I had wanted to write it a long time ago when I, everybody has a story, but when I thought like, Oh, I have a story. And then when I really had a story, (laughs) like when the story was really there, I decided it when I was in the hospital, I want to get this out there. And it's been two and a half years, things happen, but I've slowly been writing on it, writing it. And I have an editor that I work with and she's been really pushing me and she's been helping me put together a proposal. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping in the next year or so I'll have that ready, but I do want to, I want to get my story out there to help people going through something who can share this. And especially people, somebody doesn't have to be an entrepreneur, but I really hope that it's, um, it's a hybrid between entrepreneurship and my personal story. And I want people to know if I could go through all of those things of depression and suicide attempts and getting hit by a fucking delivery van and surviving <laughs> right. that and running my company from a hospital bed while going through that and and using my story now to help people, that's really why I want to get it out there. Yeah, I think it would be very impactful. And people would uh relate in many ways there's so many things that that's um that is encompassed in your story you know um yeah many capacities so how can we help you succeed what can we do to help you i think what would help me be most. And what I always share with people is to continue to check on your friends Mm -hmm. and people in your life. I think the more that we talk about these topics and have these conversations and make mental health the same as saying you don't feel well, or you have a headache today, 
you can openly talk about your mental health. I think changing that narrative, which it has been changing, luckily, I think for me, that would mean a lot to check on people and to post on whatever social media platforms you have, even if you yourself don't know what it's like to go through that. If you see something that's mental health related or about depression, it's helped me so many times scrolling when I'm having a bad day and seeing something positive, somebody's writing or somebody struggles and their mental health and really honest posts that really helps. And I hope my company continues to grow. I really do. That's my goal. And more importantly, it's being able to drive this conversation of mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're running, where, well, where can people find your products? Where's the best way to purchase your products? Uh, on our website, madamlemmy.com. And then okay. it's available. Also, you can get it on Macy's, Amazon. We're launching with some Four Season hotels, but the easiest way that goes directly to us, it's madamlemmy.com. Okay. Awesome. Are you still with Urban Outfitters? I'm not right now. Yeah. I feel like I didn't even know uh, this total side note, but I didn't even know they had this. I guess I'm kind of living in a cave, but I didn't know they had this. I What do you call it? It's like a branch of all these um, brands that they have. I, I just always thought they were a clothing store. I didn't know yeah. that they had all these little um, one of our other guests, she has like a natural energy drink. It's like a powder. And she got into Urban Outfitters. And I'm like, what? They're selling drinks? Yeah, <laughs> they have a whole section of accessories. I remember when I was in my, like a teenager, I would get like cute books in there. So I think they buy from multiple companies. They have obviously their clothing line. And then they have different products and accessories, but they really branched out in beauty. A lot of companies have and getting into urban outfitters, it prompted, I got with anthropology. So I was with both sites, um, with urban outfitters and anthropology.com and we would ship all of our product there. I've found right now what's working best with my company is our website and then drop shipping for other companies. Mm. Um, there's a lot that goes into working with other retailers, even if you're only on their website and you're still having to ship product it's there are just a lot of steps it's a lot of process it's a process yeah. to do that do you have to ship them do they require minimum orders and um like do they buy it up front or do you have to wait until they sell it like how does that work most retailers so they have a minimum that you negotiate with them and they'll buy a certain quantity and then I'm not speaking for urban. I'm just speaking in general. general yeah, what right. makes it, I think, challenging sometimes for startups is that whether you're selling online with them or in-store and you're shipping them product, there is a, a net 30 usually or a net 60. And a lot of companies know that that usually ends up being like a net 90. So you send the product and then if you're lucky, you get paid within a month or two. But a lot of times, this is just across the board, it takes a few months. and that is what I found with working with retailers that was challenging for me because you have a certain amount of inventory, you're putting that cost up front and then having to wait 
a couple months to get paid. And so what I found what's been working for my company is partnering with large retailers on a drop ship system. So the order goes through a company and then we get the order and fulfill it and it's paid pretty quickly. And I I think a lot of companies are shifting that way. And not to say when you can get into large retailers and you can get into stores, that's amazing. For my Mm -hmm. personal experience with where my business was at, I made the financial choice to stay with my online retailer to revisit boutiques and like upscale spas that was doing really well and drop shipping for larger companies. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. It sounds like it might be a little bit easier to manage um, from a finance overhead accounting. Yeah. Especially if people, if you're out that much product, depending on how expensive your product is and how much you're out and then waiting and waiting to get paid. Do they, do they have to sell out of the whole product themselves? Does that, uh, impact you at all? Or once they buy it and they, you get paid in 90 days or 100, however long it takes once they own that product, they own that product. Yeah. And urban outfitters and anthropology, they were super great to work with and they paid on time. So, um, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm thinking of like target, like, um, all those, you know? What happens, it depends on what's negotiated in the terms. So sometimes there can be chargebacks where Mm -hmm. let's say you have a company and you sell all this product and they buy it and then it doesn't sell. They can charge back where then it's really, that can really put a company under if you're a startup and you go somewhere and maybe it doesn't sell and they don't want to pay for it. So there's a lot of a lot of details in shipping with larger companies. I remember my first order. So I got out of the hospital. I continued working on that order for Urban Outfitters. I I didn't know what I was doing. They have, most companies have very specific requirements of how you have to pack it and exactly how it has to be. And then it has to be labeled with their labels. And I was doing this with one person from my company, put it all together. I shipped it. And then UPS lost the packages. They were never delivered. And so I had to re-put all of that together, redo all of it. And they were emailing us and where's this package? And that was a learning lesson. If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. So I've really learned a lot. Now I have a really big shipper that does all my shipping. At the time it was me. So it's just a lot of details when you want to scale a company. And when I started, I thought I'll make it when I'm in these huge stores. And it was my ego. Like I'm not going to be a company until I'm in Nordstrom and Sephora. And now that's still in my dream and vision, but I don't care as much in the moment. I've seen where sales are coming from on our website and I can have a direct relationship with our customers. And that's far more important to me. Right. Sounds like you're flourishing before you even get to those. And yeah, I think that's wonderful. Now, uh, I like all these details because I'm just fascinated by people that start companies like yourself and create this product and whatnot. So obviously you're not physically making all of this yourself at this point, right? So how does that, do you have 
a company that makes it or do you guys make it in-house in your own facility? How does that, how are you doing that? So I started making it originally, and then I found a manufacturer in Valencia and found out they were stealing part of my formula and selling it to a company, their main company in Japan. I left them. How'd you find that out? Uh, I build relationships with everyone and a chemist who left on bad terms, let me know. And then Uh. (laughs) like... Aaron Brockovich style had some documents to support it. So I, you know, luckily support everything with NDAs and legal documents. And yeah, I got my lawyers involved and in the time of leaving them and looking for a new manufacturer, this was before COVID. And even at that point I was going to so many manufacturers and I was saying like, Hey, I'm in these retailers, I'm really growing. And everyone said no. And it was too small or they couldn't do it or they didn't work with powders. And as luck would have it, I connected with someone who is a former employee of Bentley Laboratories, which is the largest manufacturer of skincare and makeup in the United States. They're massive and very known. And she introduced me and they took on my brand. And so they've been manufacturing my products. But thank God I knew how to make it. And it wasn't just an idea I had that I passed to someone else because in the time that I've switched to this lab and they've been so great when my company grew so much and we sold out of everything and with all the delays because of COVID and supply chain issues, I've been renting a sterile kitchen to, uh, support that and making like in the time thousands of pounds of powder with a team of people, um, my husband is Brazilian. And so I've been, he knows so many Brazilian people and men. And I recently did a production and it was like five Brazilian guys and myself um, and a couple of women, they were all Brazilian, but me. And I was like astonished how quickly it got done. And I thought like, this is who I'm hiring from now on. But I keep saying like, this is going to be the last time because uh, it's a lot of work and you just have to do what you have to do. I'm, I say that I'm lucky that my problem is that I have so many orders. I can't support it instead of having a bunch of inventory. Uh And so Bentley, they just finished my first order and those products are shipping now and they're taking over everything. But that's, this is entrepreneurship. You have to just be ready. I did not want to make all of that but I know how, and I was able to do it. And there was so much of a demand that after I put in the order with them, I realized that wasn't enough. And so I had to make other products on my own to have, to meet the orders that we had. (laughs) So you are physically making them yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not not fully by choice, but yeah. I mean, I think it's, incredible that you know the recipe i guess for lack of better terms that you when in a tight spot you can make it happen you know even though it sounds like a lot of work but uh you own that right so you have the ability to do that wow yeah when we started this and i said when I was making it, I should have prefaced when I was making it in the sense I had no one else. Now I do. And I'm still back to the point of making it, but. But it's I a good believe, problem. Yeah. I do believe though, that this will be 
I think it's the last time. And I'm just so lucky that I have that type of manufacturer that I can scale with where I can do this in between, but they can make hundreds of thousands of units per month, which myself and five Brazilian men cannot do. (laughs) That's great. Now, do you do packaging? Another company does your packaging? Yes. So I have two different vendors, a company that does the packaging, they do the boxes, and then they do the jars that go in there. They're magnetized gold stamp boxes and jars. And then there's another company that does the, I call them fluffy puffs. Some people call them poofs. So the puff, the applicator, and then there's Mm -hmm. a sifter and sticker. So there are two different companies. So we have manufacturers for the packaging and then a manufacturer that... And all of that it. has to come together. Yes. Yeah. And then get to the product, right? Yes. And then uh, go out to the shipping. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of steps. That's I'll- just a lot of stuff to coordinate and to sort out. Like I give you kudos and everyone else that has figured this out because it sounds overwhelming. But oh, it, it is. I'm surprised that my hair is not white. <laughs> and you did it with all of this other stuff going on. Like it, you're just a walking miracle. It's just yeah. amazing. Um, when, other people, you. when other people complain, I never, ever want to denigrate what people are going through. But sometimes people have these, to me, they seem like, okay, there are steps. You can figure that out. And sometimes I just look at them like you have no idea. Um, <laughs> so I, I try to encourage people like you can go through a lot and still get through the other side and just yeah. kind of keep going. Cause it is really overwhelming. And when there are, are all of those moving parts today before this call, I had to like center myself because something happened with a shipment that was coming from New Jersey to be delivered to LA today and appointment wasn't set up. And then I'm thinking, where are they going to send all my packaging that needs to go out? And so I was thinking, okay, after this podcast, I'm going to connect with them again and make sure that it was delivered. So it's just, you're always on and they're are all these moving parts literally, and you're having to connect all of it. And, and sometimes I think maybe I should have made like a service business where there was no product, but this is what I have and I'm going to make it work. Yes. You're doing a fine job. Thank well, you. I so appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to chat with us and share your story. I am positive and certain that it's going to impact many. And I can't wait to follow you. I'm going to include some of your Forbes articles and um, founder articles as well in like the information um, below. And always, you can go to their website. Madam Lumi, right now is a fantastic time to get some Christmas presents or holiday presents. Um, Like I mentioned, they have gift sets and then any... um, any occasion it sounds like uh for funness um i highly recommend checking them out go to their website and follow her because i guarantee you she's gonna have a book coming out soon it's gonna be fantastic and um i appreciate everything that you're doing and everything that you have done and keep shining you're awesome thank you and thanks for having your podcast and helping so many entrepreneurs and telling so many stories and taking the time to interview me. Well, you're welcome. And I appreciate it. It's people like you that keep me going, right? I love it. Yeah. 
Likewise. <laughs> all right. Well, have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you soon. I'll send you all the info too. Okay. Thanks, okay. Brooke. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Wild Feather. Be authentic, be limitless, and love yourself. Thank you.